You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. Last week, I found myself in a simultaneously wonderful and frankly, mildly uncomfortable situation. Actually, it was really an entire week full of this situation over and over again. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of context. I actually spent four days on vacation in Costa Rica with a huge group of people I'd never met before. Not my family. So instead of my typical quote-unquote vacation, which is a week down the shore or something which I love, where I'm still organizing packing for everybody else and organizing the family schedule and planning meals and coordinating with everybody on the planet. This was just a vacation where somebody else did all the planning. And I just got the itinerary and basically went where they told me to go and did what they told me to do. It was great. But in addition to all the awesome things that they had planned for the day, like surfing and jet skiing, which were totally new for me, we were zip lining through the rainforest, which was amazing. And we were rappelling down waterfalls, which was equally amazing. We got some great photographs of each other. Some of the people that I met along the way, friends I made on the trip. Uh, I have to tell you, Those kinds of things, when you look at someone else doing them, you see videos, you see photographs, you watch someone else do it right in front of your face, it looks like fun. You are harnessed to the hilt. You have professional guides who tell you that it is totally safe and you're watching people do it right before you one after another. But let me tell you, when you're standing there on a cliff, looking down what seems like miles, even though it's probably, you know, a couple hundred feet, if that, you know, when you're looking down over that chasm, whether on a zip line or rappelling or something else, your brain can't help but immediately go into the mode of saying, are you insane? You know, there's gravity at work here in Costa Rica too. You know, you, you don't belong here. Your feet belong on the ground down there, not up here. But finally, you jump. It's amazing. It's an incredible adrenaline rush and it's so much fun you wonder what it was that you were nervous about in the first place and you can't wait to do it again. At least that was definitely my experience. But the actual wonderful and uncomfortable situation that I was referring to originally beyond those cliff jumps of sorts was at an after party one evening. A bunch of us were at dinner and at the end, someone came up to me and said, hey, we're having an after party at our villa. Come join. I thought, sure, why not? Well, okay, I get in the caravan with everybody else. And when we get there, it's this majestic view at this gorgeous, huge villa overlooking, it's up on the top of a hill, overlooking the world. I don't know how many people were there, 50, 75. I sort of lost track. And I just said to somebody who was standing next to me when I, I, looking around, I said, this is amazing. Whose house is this? And the guy looks at me and he says, these are the lions. There's even a few billionaires here. And I just stopped in my tracks. Now, let me back up a little bit. Lions are part of Tony Robbins' 
kind of upper circle. Now, I am not a lion, but back in the beginning of the year, a couple of months ago, I did participate in his business mastery program, which was a terrific experience, highly recommended for anybody who's really looking to do a deep dive kind of intensive boot camp to take your own business to the next level if you either own or are thinking of starting a business. And from there, I decided to enroll in his annual full year program, which he refers to as a platinum partnership. Now, this for me was a ginormous, I know that's not a real word, but I'm using it anyway for effect, a ginormous leap of faith because frankly, it's far more expensive than anything I've ever invested in before. And you really hope that you're going to get some ROI from it, right? You, you, And of course, this is a whole topic for a different episode, but in looking at the other people or my assumptions about the other people who are already part of this annual platinum partnership program, frankly, was the assumption that was that most, if at least many, if not most of the other people have businesses that are way bigger than mine, way more established than mine, way more successful than mine. And that head trash was there. You know, there, there's just no denying it, that comparison and that concern of do I fit in? And of course, then from there, the lions, going back to that earlier term, is the inner circle, elite of elite. I don't even know how much it costs to be part of that membership. It has to be well into the six figures, like not starting with a one. Let's put it that way. And all I could think of was, I so don't belong here. And it was all these qualifications about what it meant to belong here. I mean, I thought to myself, okay, I don't belong here in this villa. I don't belong as part of this group. Somebody's going to look at me and say, well, so what kind of business do you run? How many employees, how many dozens or hundreds of employees do you have? How many you know, millions or billions of hundreds of millions of revenue are you making and all this kind of stuff? And I had all these concerns about, am I enough? Do I belong here? Is the earth going to sort of open up and swallow me whole when somebody realizes that I was invited here by mistake, perhaps? But that being said, everybody was great. Nobody cared what my background was. We were all part of this trip and we were all just having fun getting to know each other. And frankly, by the end of the day, I was really not sure who was just another platinum member like me versus who was a lion. And definitely had no idea who was a billionaire if anyone was there. It was really just a fun evening, but I have to confess, I was completely intimidated just by being there alone. And all of that is what is referred to as an imposter syndrome. It's all in my head. And, you know, the imposter syndrome, if it's not something that you have experienced before, and this is what I want to focus on today for this show, is the concept of the imposter syndrome and how it gets in our way. So if you haven't heard of it, the imposter syndrome is that fear of being exposed as a fraud, the fear that someone is going to look at you and say, you don't belong here. You don't deserve this. You're not good enough. You are not worthy. And the irony, of course, is that in the workplace, this is one of the most common fears and concerns from high achievers, people who have reached the top or have at least recently attained a newly higher position, leadership opportunity of some sort. You bust your tail to get there and then you get there and you think, oh my gosh, I'm actually here. Do I deserve it? Am I good enough for it? Will somebody else who's been here longer say, yeah, you're not really ready yet. It was a mistake. Who let you in? 
And these were a lot of the thoughts that were maybe not verbatim, but that was the tone of what was going through my head. But I had to step back and say, you know, you know what? I paid my dues, both literally and figuratively. I mean, I paid for the membership, I paid for the trip, et cetera, et cetera. But I also paid my dues as a professional, my credentials, my experience, my skill set, my expertise. You know, that's all part of it. And I belonged there as much as anybody else did. And it took me a moment to really accept that and be able to fully appreciate the experience that was right in front of me. And this is such a great metaphor in some ways, but otherwise reflecting the realities, just in a very, very different context for so many of my clients and so many articles that I'm seeing, so many conference topics that I'm seeing, because the imposter syndrome is pervasive. And it's not just about the fear that others are going to say, you don't measure up, you aren't worthy, you don't deserve to be here, you're not good enough. It goes right down to the core of the fear that someone's going to simply say, you are not enough, period. Now, research on imposter syndrome, you can Google it, look all over the place, Harvard Business Review, you know, McKinsey, also all the big research organizations and, and publishing outlets of sorts. You'll read up on it galore. But a common pattern in that research and in those articles is that imposter syndrome often tends to focus on the experience of women and or minorities because they have more historically had to fight their way into predominantly white male power structures. And as a result, there's a natural feeling of not belonging there. And frankly, for many of them, there uh, is or was very much a feeling among those who are there that they're not welcome. So that's a you know a whole other issue. But what I want to focus on in particular is not when there is, because there are plenty of discussions about legitimate biases, right down to, and how those contribute to the imposter syndrome, right down to, frankly, argumentation about the validity and the bias inherent in terms like syndrome, and the, as if it were a medical situation, and that often people are diagnosed as having imposter syndrome, which again, goes back to that medical condition of sorts. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that is a medical diagnosis or that you have symptoms per se, but it is all about how you feel and how you respond and what conditions may or may not exist that are creating that, those feelings and your behaviors and where you may get in your own way as a result. Now, I don't want to get into all the biases involved. I don't want to get into all the argumentation about syndromes and, and gender base, et cetera, because A, that's for someone else to address. But more importantly, for our purposes, over all the years that I've done executive coaching of, of various sorts, I have to tell you, just as many of my male clients and colleagues have expressed these feelings as the women, especially when they find themselves in a new leadership role. And many of them are just as surprised when I bring it up to them. You know, they will describe their fears, their concerns, and the head trash. And we'll talk about some of the various signs of potential imposter syndrome later. But as they're describing patterns to me, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, et cetera, when it seems like it might be evidence, I'll ask if they're familiar with the concept of the imposter syndrome. And both men and women alike, some say yes some say no. But once I have 
explain to them what it is if they've said no, or at least hadn't really considered it, even if they had heard of it. Once I explain that fear of being exposed as a fraud, every last one of them says, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly what I'm experiencing. And, or I'll send them anything right down to a simple Wikipedia article describing it, going through the history and a little bit more of an analysis of it as an assignment before our next coaching session. And inevitably they come back and they say, that nailed me. That was talking to me about me. It's like they analyzed me, they got in my head and they wrote the article. That's what I was dealing with. And what's most important to me is that most of them are then, actually, no, I take that back. Every last one of them, upon learning of this expression, was simply relieved to know that, quote unquote, it's a thing. It's not just something that they themselves are experiencing, that they alone are feeling this unworthiness or feeling this overwhelm or feeling like they they don't know what they're doing or that someone's going to think they don't know what they're doing. Quote unquote, it's a thing. Yes, it's called the imposter syndrome and it's very well recognized and discussed out there. And it's it's funny because a colleague of mine who is frankly the CEO of a huge network marketing firm, uh, not very nonchalantly one day, and it was years ago, we were just chatting and off the cuff, he just volunteered and said, you know, I battle imposter syndrome every day. It's a normal part of leadership. You just deal with it. He owned it that cleanly, that clearly. So, you know, of course, part of the challenge is how do you deal with it in a healthy, productive and effective way. And I find that in dealing with it and even acknowledging it and being able to take the first step is that the biggest difference between men and women from those who have shared their experiences with me and what I what I've seen out there and available is frankly that women talk about it. Again, going back to that issue of often it was because women were trying to break into the old boys club of sorts, they were the ones to first the concept was coined around it. But nevertheless, women talk about it. Any conference you go to, any summits, in coaching, there are always sessions out there. There's always articles being written to women, for women, talks, discussions, et cetera, experts on it. It's almost inevitably a topic among the list of other issues that will be addressed in the course of the day. So it's normal to acknowledge this in circles of women, less so in mixed company or just among men, that I think there are still a lot of stereotypes about how men are supposed to be strong. Men are not supposed to admit fear. And because men are just supposed to do their jobs, much like stereotypically, I think a lot of men are, and things are changing now, fortunately, but men are not supposed to, you know, working fathers are not supposed to talk about the frustrations about wanting to spend more time with their kids. They're just supposed to go to work and do their job. Whereas women have had a lot more support over the years in talking about the challenges of being a working mother. So at that point, because it's less common of a topic in male circles, it's not to say men don't feel it. They're just not supposed to admit it. They are supposed to sort of squash it down. So as a result, if it's not a common topic of discussion, frankly, they're less likely to know that, quote unquote, it's a thing. So they may not know how to get the support or that no, that support even exists, and thus they may not get it in the first place. And ultimately, very few people end up identifying healthy coping strategies. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but this topic is so common with my client conversations that I want to shed light on three key things today. The first is the signs 
of imposter syndrome. Second, our basic strategies to combat it. And number three are the language and communication patterns that will help in both identifying the signs and getting better at the strategies, developing the skills to overcome it. Now, recognize that my discussion today is not comprehensive. This is simply an attempt to raise awareness of the situation, to offer support, to get your wheels turning, to inspire and encourage you, to get you to start looking into more of it on your own. If you think this might be something that you or perhaps someone that you engage with could be a significant other, it could be a direct report, it could be a peer, you never know. But if you feel like somebody else may be struggling with this, do a little research, talk to them about it, open the conversation. And of course, we want to be able to identify where your brain may be sabotaging your own success. And we want you to learn to watch for unhealthy language, whether it's internal self-talk or external dialogue with somebody else that, again, may be promoting that imposter syndrome uh, or otherwise just language that would be a sign of it. So let's start there with the signs real quick. And again, this is just a select list. There are many others, but a few things just to start to tune your radar, to hone your radar a little bit more focused. Number one is perfectionism. Look, there are lots of us who are perfectionists in one way or another, but there's a difference between having high standards versus feeling like you will never be good enough. And if the voice in your head says it like that, you'll never be good enough. That is not just healthy humility. Do not allow yourself to conflate humility with saying it's not good enough to downplay your success. And that's something else that is a common sign is either if somebody congratulates you on what you've achieved to just dismiss it and say, oh, well, it, it's really, I was just lucky that I got this or it was, I got so much help with it. It's not really not about my skill or I didn't do anything special or I didn't do anything important to downplay your own efforts, your own contributions, how much you've earned that compliment opportunity, whatever it is. Another one to look for is comparing yourself to others. Now, again, let's look at healthy versus unhealthy. Healthy comparison is looking at role models, for example, looking at someone who does something really well and saying, what can I learn from them and how can I learn to do this well too? This is not comparing yourself to others in the old fashioned uh, you know, way of saying, well, gee, I'll never be as good as he or she is in this area. Frankly, it's no different from looking in, and comparing yourself to somebody else physically, comparing body types, comparing coloring or any sort of beauty symbol, whatever it happens to be. So you can look at others for inspiration and even talk to them for that matter, but don't look at them for comparison as somebody else who embodies a perfection that you think you can never attain. It's not a competition. So that gets unhealthy. Fear and anxiety is another sign to look for. Nerves, a little adrenaline, a little bit of anxiety, especially in certain contexts, that's totally normal. That's totally healthy. You know, if you're going to give a presentation, you have an important meeting, you're, it's your first day on a new job, first, you know, whatever, there's always a learning curve. That's healthy nerves. That's anticipatory. That's anxiety. You want to do something well, but it's also because you're excited. This is a great opportunity and you're looking forward to doing it well. That's different from a degree of fear and anxiety that is, that is debilitating. When you get to the point where that fear, that anxiety has you constantly second guessing everything that you do, unable to make a decision, 
unable to take action, what may be often referred to as analysis paralysis, that's not healthy. Learn to recognize when you've gone too far over that line. And even if you just can't take a compliment, if you feel like someone says something nice to you, they congratulate you, compliment you on a job well done, and you're telling yourself, oh, they don't really mean it. They're just being nice. Yet all of these things are signs that you may be struggling with. And I'm not saying you may be suffering from, I'm not saying this is, you may be diagnosed with, keep that out of here. You may be struggling with some imposter syndrome-like thoughts in your head, and you want to make sure that you don't let them control you. So how do we do that? Well, here's a few steps, again, non-comprehensive list, but a few suggestions, step strategies that you can take to make sure that you keep this in check and remind yourself that, frankly, you do belong there. And the first one, simply enough, is a success journal. Call it what you will. It can be a notebook on your note app. It can be just a page. Every day, you write down at least one thing that you did well, that you're proud of. Large or small, doesn't matter. There's a great app that I like that I downloaded. I think it was free. It's called Three Good Things. And you schedule what time of day. I think I have mine scheduled for 9 p.m. And it just pops up and it literally says, what are three good things that happened today? And I just write a short phrase in each step. It can be anything from had a great hamburger at dinner to just nailed a presentation or landed a huge new client or anything in between. It was sunny out today. No humidity. Went for a walk, felt great. Whatever you want, large or small, but remember to jot down your success, something you did well, because then as that list builds, it really can boost your confidence to realize all the things that you have achieved and continue to achieve. Again, going back to the comparison element, when you find yourself comparing, shift your mindset, keep yourself in check. Do not allow yourself to competitively compare yourself to somebody else. Just look at them and say, what's something they're doing that is effective that I can learn from them? And frankly, if you need to ask them, open the conversation, initiate, invite them to coffee or to a Zoom or to whatever it is, and just say, I noticed you do this really well. How did you learn to do that? Or do you have any advice? I want to get good at that too. At that point, inevitably, they'll be flattered, number one, that you noticed. And most people, when asked for advice, are extremely willing to give it. So why not leverage that? You've acknowledged, you've noticed, great. Now use it to your advantage rather than allowing it to hold you back by just noticing what you perceive as a gap. Also, what's important to do is to not hold it in. If you're really feeling stressed about this, anxiety or fear or whatever it is, talk to somebody. And it doesn't have to be a therapist, but whether it's a friend or a mentor, be selective. Don't hang your emotional laundry out on the clothesline for the world to see. You don't want to share it with everybody. Don't post it on social media. Don't talk to everybody you can pass in the hallway about it, but pick a couple of friends. If you have a mentor, talk to your mentor about it. That's, that's part of what they're for. Now, there's also a difference, however, between a mentor and an advocate, right? A mentor is someone you can sort of share your inner fears with and they'll help you over, overcome them. An advocate is simply somebody, and there's plenty of research and, and articles on this too, so look it up later. But an advocate is somebody who should only really know your greatest strengths because they're going to go to bat for you. Now, it's possible, of course, that your mentor is your advocate and your mentor should advocate for you. But if you happen to have a senior supervisor or somebody who really you only have that role with where you're 
hoping that they will go to bat for you for new opportunities. Don't go and spill your guts to them about fears and those kinds of things. Pick your audience selectively when you're sharing these inner concerns. On the flip side, you can also mentor somebody else because I find that women especially, but men too, if you're taking someone else under your wing, somebody junior to you, and you're trying to help them with their career planning and opportunities, you're very willing and able to give them the pep talk, to tell them they're good enough, to tell them to have confidence, to tell them to take a seat at the table. And yet, hmm, we don't take our own advice. So mentor somebody else, give them a pep talk, and then take your own advice. Take your own advice. Listen to what's coming out and ask yourself, am I being a massive hypocrite here in giving advice that I am unable to take? Find a way to heal thyself, physician. And then for that matter, going back to that listening piece, if someone gives you a compliment for a job well done or a good hair day, whatever it happens to be, listen. Don't reflexively dismiss. Listen to what they're saying and have not just the humility, but have the grace to receive the compliment, to accept the compliment. You can do that humbly, but gratefully and gracefully. That's an important skill set that should be part of executive presence as well. Allow yourself to receive the compliment. Now, remember, if nothing else, you have to remind yourself that you have already proven yourself. You did it. That's why you have this role. That's why you were given the opportunity. You have the benefit of the doubt. You do not need to keep proving to others that you belong there. And frankly, the more you try to convince others, the more it becomes clear that you're really just trying to convince yourself. Don't telegraph your nerves, your insecurities, your anxieties by constantly trying to explain yourself and constantly trying to prove and defend. I mean, if you're somebody's arguing with you, that's different. But try if you find you're constantly trying to prove yourself, ask yourself, is anybody actually demanding it of me or am I over-explaining? Am I trying too hard? Am I overcompensating? Again, it's a grayscale. And I'm not saying that there isn't pushback or that somebody isn't challenging you or that there isn't bias, but have the objectivity to take a step back, look at the real situation and say, is it something that I am realistically up against or am I creating the scenario in my mind? Is it really a figment of my imagination? So make sure that, frankly, it's not. And I'll tell you, when in doubt, in my book, Speaking to Influence, check out chapter four. Chapter four is about a vocal. The title of it is vocal. And it's about looking for bad habits that will betray your insecurity. So things like vocal fry, if you find you're letting your voice fry out like I'm doing right now, and maybe you start talking, but then you kind of trail off at the end of your sentences. It's like, oh, wait a minute, I have an idea. I want to share this with you. And uh, well, I don't know, maybe I kind of changed my mind down having second thoughts. And it, it just doesn't sound confident or authoritative. So it undermines your authority. Or if you use upspeak, that can be your body's way, your voice's way of indicating that you're unsure because these rising tones that I'm using right now imitate tag questions that reflect phrases like, you know what I mean? Okay, right? 
if you're doing that, it's like you're constantly begging for validation over and over again. Well, that gives them the power over you. Again, not a sign of strength. It is a telegraphing of your insecurities through your voice. Even things like run-on sentences. Ever have that out-of-body experience where you hear your mouth just keep going on and on and your brain is saying, oh my gosh, for the love of God, please stop talking. And you just can't seem to put the brakes on. Well, that is your insecurity. That is your fear telegraphing itself to the audience, throwing you right under the bus. So take a look at some of those and more in chapter four, because it will help you become more aware, more mindful of where you're projecting your own fear, where that imposter syndrome is manifesting through your speech patterns and presenting itself publicly to your audience. So even if you feel nervous, there's no need to announce it. So you want to learn to control those mechanical reflexes to project confidence and authority, even if you don't feel it. Because if you can do that, eventually you will feel it. And frankly, I've just decided I'm going to give it to you as a gift. So if you go to the show notes, I'll make a link later on. But when you're done listening, check out the show notes. You'll see a link where you can go to download a free digital copy of chapter four from my book, Speaking to Influence. Chapter four is about vocal. You can get the entire thing. I'll give it to you free as a gift. Now, personally, I had to take a bit of my own medicine, right? Whether I was standing at the edge of the cliff, looking down or staring into the face of a lion, quote unquote, I had to remind myself, I do belong here. I earned this spot. I'm here because I want the connections, the opportunity, the experience, and I want to make my own contribution to all of these people because I do have something to offer a lot to offer, frankly, and I'm not going to waste time on self-destructive head trash. Now, all right, Laura, take a deep breath, steady, now, go for it. And then I jump into the conversation or onto the zip line, but it was time to hold your breath and go. And boy, am I glad that I did it in every single way on that trip last week. And I know that you will be too. So with that, I thank all of you for tuning in. Once again, I invite you to subscribe if you haven't done so already so that you never miss an episode. And of course, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, etc., go to speakingtoinfluence.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes where you're going to get that link to download chapter four of Speaking to Influence on vocal. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. 
the host, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.